1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits, and I'm bringing it to you real and unfiltered. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm laughing because I feel like I need to have a better intro to this podcast. I say the same thing every week, but I hope everyone is doing well. I have a really interesting episode for you guys today. At least I found it to be super fascinating. It's a pretty raw and honest discussion about like healthcare in the wellness world and misinformation and scope of practice and... I feel like some people will have some strong thoughts about this and my guest really doesn't hold back, which I find to be refreshing, but I'm sure it will cause some people to have some reactions. But I think it's important to listen all the way through to the end because ultimately I think the takeaway from this episode is to find what works for you, which will be different for everybody, but to also be skeptical and wary when it comes to a lot of things in the wellness world. So... I am talking to Aaron Kubal. I found him through a past guest of mine, Dr. Danielle Bellardo, who I love, and I know a lot of you guys are. Probably familiar and love her as well. So, Aaron is a board certified chiropractor with special interests in rehabilitation and chronic pain. And he utilizes education and exercise and delivers patient centered care that's unique to each individual he works with, all under the umbrella of evidence based practice of which he is a staunch advocate, which you're going to hear in this episode. He prioritizes self-management and patient empowerment so that he can serve as a guide while patients work towards their goals. And that's also kind of another theme of this episode. And we also talk about common misconceptions in his field, like the actual effects of back cracking and adjustments and all those viral back cracking videos to like spinal manipulation in adults and babies, the efficacy of this. We talk about general health misconceptions. We talk about injury, stretching, posture, pain, a lot of other trendy wellness treatments and so much more. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Aaron. Good
1: to be here. It's nice to <laughs> meet you too.
0: I know. I feel like we've been following for a little bit. I can't remember how I found you. I think it was probably through Danielle, Dr. Villardo. Mm. hmm and I've been enjoying your content ever since. I really love people who are kind of like irreverent in their field. <laughs> kind of like, um, <laughs> not irreverent, but you're a little bit... What's the word I'm looking for? Irreverent. Yeah, I guess we'll stick with that one. But I feel like... You know, we'll get into your background and all of that, but the field of like chiropractors kind of having a moment right now, more so than ever, maybe because of social media and the wellness world and TikTok and these viral like back cracking videos and all of that, which we'll get into. And if you guys could see this, you would see Aaron shaking his head. So, <laughs> I can't wait to get into all of this with you and do some like debunking, and hear from you know kind of an adult voice in the room. But to start, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: I'm Aaron. I'm a chiropractor. I do a lot of social media stuff, and that's pretty much it. My my actual work. Um, I have my own online telehealth practice. I work primarily with uh, patients dealing with chronic pain. I've been doing that now for a year and a half. Super awesome. I get to you know co manage with some some good pain clinics around the United States and some good orthopedic centers. And social media has created a lot of those kind of cool opportunities for me as far as telehealth, especially just because people think chiropractor, they think hands-on, backcracking. They don't usually imagine me treating every single patient through a computer screen. I don't even take patients in person, but fortunately enough for me, this whole TikTok and Instagram thing kind of fell into my lap and I was able to start my own online practice and do things kind of the way that I wanted to do them. So I get to be a little non-conventional, not only in how I approach chiropractic from a social media perspective, but also how I literally practice it through a computer screen. So Kind of a different way of doing things, I suppose.
0: I feel like probably everybody listening right now, it's like, how are you a chiropractor <laughs> remotely? Because I think when people think chiropractor, they think what we see, which is readjustments and these very like hands-on manipulations. How and why did you get into the field? And then maybe like, tell us a little bit about how do you actually practice remotely? What kinds of things are you doing?
1: Yeah. So I, I got into it just because, when I was young, uh, a multi-sport athlete and, you know, just aches and pains with that kind of thing come and go. So we had like a family friend who was a Cairo. And when I saw him, like he took a kind of similar approach to the one I take right now currently, which is, there wasn't a whole lot of like weird voodoo shit. It was like pretty, I mean, none of it seemed strange to me. And I really liked how he approached care. A lot of it was just advice and kind of just teaching me what to do in a lot of different pain and injury situations, and then sometimes he'd use exercise. Sometimes he'd crack my back, but like a lot of it was just him teaching me like how to take care of myself, which I thought was really cool. And I just assumed erroneously that that's what all chiropractors did. Cause I just didn't know any better. And me and my assumptions, I took those all the way to literally going to chiropractic school. And at no point was like, maybe I should look more closely into this before making a career of it. So i kind of naive and ignorant on my behalf. But then I got into chiropractic school, expecting to see a lot of what he had been doing, and then found out that he was the vast minority. And there was a lot more to chiropractic that I didn't know about. And it just got weirder and weirder from there. And now my life is super weird. So that's how I got in. And then my approach to care, it's it's entirely predicated on self-management. I think um, a lot of the clinical practice guidelines for managing pain in a lot of different conditions and a lot of different complaints. A lot of them tail around teaching people self-management, teaching people how to be autonomous. And because I'd say 99% of musculoskeletal stuff can be effectively self-managed. If you just give people uh, the skill set and you empower them and you teach them how to do it, and they can really do a great job taking care of themselves. That's a lot of what I do is helping people with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like what is within the scope of practice? Because I feel like there are, there are so many chiropractors now who have, I won't name any names, but who are like big social media personalities and kind of media people who are like doctors so-and-so and they treat all kinds of things, but then you find out that they're a chiropractor. So what is within the actual scope?
1: Did you see my? Did you see? I did a video like two days ago because somebody like made a comment where you knew you can reply to comments with the video stuff, and mm-hmm. they were like, uh, "Why are you so negative of uh, the profession you represent?" And I was like, "Why am I so negative? I don't know what there is to be positive about." And then I cited this paper that came out I think like two three weeks ago that they literally like analyzed back pain information on TikTok mm-hmm. and just how evidence based and how much. Is the content supported by science? And they found that the, the back pain videos from chiropractors specifically were the most likely to be the least evidence-based and the least scientifically oriented. So like that's the kind of thing where I just like when people ask what our scope is, I don't even freaking know. Cause like we talk about the most random shit and our regulation is all over the place. Like chiropractic is different in different countries, but in the United States, it's the wild, wild West. Like I've made jokes a bunch of times where it's like, I, you it's just, sometimes it seems like you can just do anything. Honestly. Like, I mm. mean, you, you see people treating cancer and ADHD and cardiovascular disease and then pain. And then like, I mean, I've seen, I've seen claims for everything. And then I see you know, chiropractors like, cracking horses and lizards and shit. So like I honestly, I don't even know what we all can and can't do. I know that we have evidence supporting an approach to musculoskeletal pain complaints, and then literally no evidence to support anything beyond that. So that's what I consider our scope. But obviously, there are other chiropractors around social media who see our scope is quite a bit broader. So I don't know. I guess I don't know what the hell it is.
0: (laughs) Well, and I mean we can laugh, but I think I heard you I think it was on Danielle's podcast as well that maybe she said like the the field of chiropractors were huge kind of peddlers of misinformation, especially during the COVID oh, we're pandemic. The best at it.
1: We're so yeah. good at it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember too early on, because I, I was like this with the whole misinformation thing and you know, calling out all the nonsense kind of stuff. Like I was doing that even as a student. Um, pretty loudly, honestly, to the point of where I would get in trouble for it. And I remember when COVID first started, I was seeing everywhere chiropractors, even just in our local community and around the school, like chiropractors making claims that back cracking could prevent COVID. Which, I mean, what the fuck? Like, what a what a wild, what a wild claim to make. But they were making it, and I, it was insane. I was reporting people to our state board nonstop, and then I saw our state board do a post on their Facebook page. Also saying that back cracking could, you know, have a preventative effect for or an immune boosting effect for COVID prevention. And I was like the fucking board. So I made this crazy like pissed off comments on there and got like calls from them the next day, just laying into me for being like so brash and outspoken in a public forum and telling me that like, it's not a Cairo who posts that it's just an unpaid intern, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't freak out. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, I'm a little on edge. You're like the eighth person I've called out this week for trying to prevent COVID and you're the fucking bored. It's just I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you see. And it's just right. it's insane.
0: We can all benefit from a daily multivitamin. And my absolute favorite is Ritual. So Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It's formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of essential for women 18 plus multivitamin. And the results were that the vitamin was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. And since we're talking all about misinformation and evidence-based research here in this episode. I knew that you guys would appreciate that. I have taken Ritual for years and I absolutely love them. I know that between my diet and then Ritual filling in any nutritional gaps, I am getting absolutely everything that I need. And also aside from the exhaustive research and the thoughtfulness that goes into the ingredients in Ritual Vitamins and all of their products. I really love the minty fresh flavor and the time release so that I don't get that upset stomach that I get with other supplements, which I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. So if you're looking for a daily multivitamin, look no further. And right now Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. All you have to do is visit ritual.com slash blonde, and you can turn healthy habits into a ritual. Again, for 10% off your first three months, go to ritual.com slash blonde, dot com slash blonde. When they say mental health is a journey, they definitely mean it. This is why it's so important to prioritize your mental health and wellness every day, which I obviously talk about here on the podcast. And when you work on yourself, it brings positive changes in all areas of your life. The long-term effects of therapy can give you the tools to deal with challenges as they arise, to strengthen your relationships, and give you a more positive outlook on life. And there's no better time to invest in yourself than right now. I, as you guys know, have been in and out of therapy for years. I recently... Just went back and it really... In just one session actually saved me from so many situations that were kind of driving me crazy. And it gave me so much clarity. So I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace for therapy. You can sign up online and start therapy the same day as you sign up. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist. So it's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your home. And I love this convenience aspect of it because you would text or video or send voice messages to your friends throughout the day, but they aren't necessarily giving you the most objective, unbiased advice, and they don't have the professional credentials to help you navigate a lot of difficult situations. So you can kind of think of your talk space therapist as your friend that you are communicating with freely. And they let you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform 24-7. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform. They have thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. And your therapist can help you set and achieve goals and just navigate anything that you are going through. Again, I cannot recommend therapy enough. I cannot recommend. Talkspace enough, and they have such an incredible deal for my listeners. You will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. So to begin and to match with a licensed therapist today, just go to Talkspace.com and make sure to use the code BLONDE to get the $100 off your first month and also show your support for the show. So again, that's Talkspace.com and the code is BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, for $100 off your first month. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I'm Victoria Garrick, former Division One athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. Let's talk about the backcracking because I know in the wellness world, which is where my content and all of that would fall under readjusting backcracking is very heavily promoted. I feel like so many people, even that I'm friends with go to get readjusted all the time. They all have chiropractors. They're famous, you know, not famous, but like very celebrity loved chiropractors oh, here yeah. in LA that everyone goes to and they swear by it. So what can and can't back cracking and, and readjustment achieve?
1: Oh uh, man, it's pretty unexciting what it can do. That's for sure. Um, first of all, we don't even get the name right. Cause like adjustment, what like we call it an adjustment, but that implies that you are, that something is not the way it's supposed to be. And that you're changing it into the way that it is supposed to be obviously implying that like the bone is is not where it's meant to be or that it's not moving correctly or the vertebrae is stuck or whatever misaligned. And that's just not at all what happens. So like even the name doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I always just call it spinal manipulation or cracky Mm -hmm. backy, but, uh, it, it doesn't change anything about anybody physically. And it's really, I think a lot of the positive effects that you see of people like reporting that they feel better or that they're getting pain relief or, or whatever it is, when we look at a lot of the research on trying to sift out what seems to be behind a lot of that, it seems like a lot of it has to do with contextual factors, which is basically saying, how bought in was the patient to the treatment? And how much did they expect it to help them? And like, how, how, how played up was it by the provider? How much did they trust the provider? Do they feel safe and listened to and all those things? Like, that stuff has a much more influential role in the outcome of the treatment than the treatment itself and the reason that that we know that is because there have been trials that compare for like something like acute back pain let's say there's trials that compare all the most common back pain treatments whether it's acupuncture or back cracking or scraping techniques massage like all the big ones exercise and for like an acute case of back pain so a new episode they all follow kind of the same pattern of improvement And one of the things that they tested in comparison with those treatments is no treatment at all and placebo, meaning that that tells us like if no treatment at all and placebo follows the same pattern of improvement of all those treatment groups, then maybe the outcome isn't unique to the treatment or a result directly of the treatment. Maybe it has much more to do with one, the contextual factors, and then two, just the passage of time. Mm -hmm. That's that's another big one too, because what a lot of people are not told by their healthcare providers, chiropractors, physical therapists, but they should be, and I talk about this all the time and I ranted about it on Danielle's podcast too, is a lot of musculoskeletal conditions that people seek help for have a very favorable natural history, meaning they usually take care of themselves whether you get treatment or not on their own, you know, within a matter of weeks at most. So, a lot of the time when we look at like what's actually influencing outcomes, a lot of time it looks like it's just the passage of time and the chiropractor that kind of takes credit for time going by. Cause they showed up in week three of something that was going to get better in four weeks. Like, then it looks like they fixed it, but really you just hit week four. That's, that's a lot of what's going on there.
0: I had a neck injury recently and around week, like two or three, I went to see a doctor and He said, it's probably just going to shake out in the next few weeks. And it did, but I can imagine how, had I gone and had some other kind of like quote unquote intervention, it would be easy to attribute that Mm. to the intervention. So, I mean, if somebody is going to get spinal manipulation, if you will, they feel like it's benefiting them and they're having this placebo (laughs) effect, is that harmful or what are your thoughts on that?
1: I always am very adamant that I think any explanation that gives patients the impression that their body is fragile or flimsy is harmful. Even if it's small, even if they don't take it very seriously, like I think we should never do that because the science does not support saying things like that. So narratives like that would be like, you know, that we can break up fashion or that we can realign your skeletal structure or that we can release your muscles or that we can, you know, like have these dramatic changes on your physical structure with just our hands. um, Those all kind of imply that like your body is so malleable to the touch that there's barely anything holding you together. I think all of that stuff has the capacity to harm. And a lot of it just depends on how serious the person's issue is and how seriously they take that. But I have nothing against back cracking as long as it's communicated honestly and with a more science-based perspective around, I mean, if, If I'm, if I were still offering that service, if I was doing that with patients, the way I would explain it to people, if they wanted it was, it would be, if you ever had a sore throat and you take a cough drop, when you take the cough drop, you don't expect it to cure the sore throat. You don't expect it to make the sore throat go away any faster. You expect it to take the edge off for 20, 30 minutes, maybe a little bit. That's pretty much what back cracking can do. You felt one thing I touched your back, put my hands on it and pushed. Now you felt something else for a little bit. That's kind of its ceiling of an effect and then its floor of an effect is just fucking nothing at all cuz there's a lot of people out there who it just straight up doesn't help too. You just don't hear from them cuz the people who tend to scream the loudest are the ones who, you know, feel like it was like a life-saving treatment for them, which mm-hmm. which there are people like that and I think a lot of that has to do with again, the those contextual factors and The fact that they saw a provider who listened to them and is caring for them and is putting their hands on them and trying to be a positive influence like that can help people's pain. But there's an honest way to communicate those things. um, And we can have those patient interactions without making them think that, you know, we're holding their spine together or we're holding their fascia or muscles together and things like that. So. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah and I've heard you say like if it were that easy to manipulate kind of like what you were saying that would imply that like we are so weak and malleable which is a little frightening. I can tell you another outcome that can happen cuz this is what happened to me and this is not to say that I have anything against chiropractors but when I got sober 8 years ago I went to rehab and at that time I was very ill, very malnourished. I'd been like living off alcohol, not eating, you know, I'm sure like my bones were very <laughs> brittle or something. I don't know. And I had fallen a lot before I got sober and I went to rehab and I had really bad back pain. And they said, well, why don't you go to a chiropractor and get readjusted? And I went and there were no, like, there was no physical exam, no history taken, nothing. He cracked my back. And when I say it was the worst fucking pain I've ever had, (sighs) it felt like all of my ribs were breaking. And I remember leaving and I was like, something is not right. Like it was so hard to breathe. It felt like everything was out of place. Finally, it got unbearable that night. I had to go get x-rays and I had a fractured spine in three places. (laughs)
1: Oh my God.
0: Oh, I don't know if that was, and it was like, well, was that from falling when I was like blackout drunk and I was having seizures all the time? Or was I just really weak and I already had these injuries and then we did the crack and that was just, you know, who knows? But, but see, but,
1: Even then, like in, in an instance like that, like it, it should have just, it should never even come to that. Cause if you go through like a proper patient history, then that yeah. person would know that you're in a place where you're in the middle of recovery and you've had a fall history and seizures and things like that. And, and like there's possibility of like traumatic injury and, and all those different things. And you would look at that history and be like, maybe spinal manipulation, this borderline pointless treatment isn't something that you even need right now. I don't think we need to push on this. Like, it's just, that's just so crazy to me. And that, that should tell people too. Like if you're in an office like that, like how, how impactful can an intervention really be if there's some offices out there that are delivering it without doing like a proper history or without doing a proper exam and just, they're just kind of throwing it on there and cracking you. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. people people do it like it's a party trick because that's kind of where the value of it is at a lot of, to, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. Like the uh, to tell you the truth, the only time I do it these days after not doing it for a year and a half since I graduated is when I'm like out drinking with my friends and they want to learn how to do it. So I teach them how to do it to each other. Like I, mean, I, we, I literally treat it like a party trick at this point. So um, that should tell people like if, if chiropractors feel like they can be that flimsy within just kind of throw it around to whoever without even taking them through a proper history and, and vetting the situation, like it's probably not something that's that impactful and potentially harmful.
0: Yeah, in these TikTok videos and viral Instagram videos and everything, what is actually happening? Like, what are what are we hearing and seeing?
1: I've done video breakdowns of like some of the really big ones. I know everybody's seen like the kid where he's like all hunched over, and then by the end of the video, he's standing up straight. And um, you know, I've broken those down. And, and the, the truth is, like when you watch them, obviously with those videos, you know, there's a lot that you don't see, um, and they choose what gets put in them, and they're edited by them. It's not exactly you know reliable case report, but um, it is all explainable. And like a lot of the time when you watch it, it has a lot to do with what goes on in between, like, like for, for the one I'm even referencing right now, where the kids like doubled over, like you watch them and then in between adjustments, he's getting up and walking around and he's trying to stand himself up against the wall and he's starting to move into the position they're trying to get him into. And he's getting positive reinforcement and encouragement from from the guy who's taking care of them and telling them like, it's okay to poke into pain a little bit. It's okay to straighten your back out after he had been very avoidant and very fearful of moving his back at all because of how sensitive it is. Like when somebody gives you that sort of reassurance and those guardrails to start trying to poke into things and move a little different, like you can see um, outcomes and changes like that. Cause good back pain can be pretty intense and really freak people out. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, there, it's it's always different, and again, you never really have the full story. But usually, when you watch those videos, it mm-hmm. is very explainable what what's going on. And usually, it's nothing unique or special about the back cracking. It's usually more context stuff that people really don't pay a lot of attention to.
0: Mm-hmm. Spring and summer are upon us, and that means that it's time to step up your skincare routine, make sure that your skin is glowing, because for me, there's nothing worse than when the weather warms up and you have a full face of makeup. It just feels so stifling, at least for me. And skin is honestly your best accessory any time of the year. So... If you don't know where to start with your skincare routine, Curology has got you. Curology is game-changing custom skincare made for you by a dermatology provider. They will create a custom prescription cream for your specific needs, whether that's tackling acne, clogged pores, skin texture, dark spots, fine lines, or something else. And it's super easy. You start by taking a short online skin quiz and uploading photos. And if it's a good fit, they will ship you your formula right to your door. It has your name on the bottle and everything. And I've talked about this on here before, but my custom formula really changed my skin. It has tretinoin, niacinamide, and azelaic acid, and it's literally the only product with tretinoin that my skin can actually handle without getting super irritated. And not only does it handle it, but it makes it so glowy, bouncy, the tone is even, all of the things that we want. And then along with the custom formula, they also have a really great cleanser, moisturizer that's really good, whether you have super dry or sensitive or oily skin. They have an amazing lip balm that I love. They have acne body wash and they have the best emergency spot patches if you get any kind of breakout. So the other thing about Curology, which I mentioned, is it's super convenient. You get everything delivered straight to you in one box. So definitely go check it out. You guys can get started with Curology just like I did with a free 30-day trial, which is such a good offer. All you have to do is go to blonde and pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's Curology.com, C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E, to start your free 30-day trial. You can cancel anytime and prescription is subject to consultation. Feeling your best starts with what you're putting in your body. And I know that Personally, I feel my best when I'm eating really nourishing, nutritious food, which can be hard with a busy schedule. Things have been so crazy lately. I feel like I'm on the go all the time. And when I start skipping meals or snacking on more processed things or things that have a lot of sugar, I really start to struggle on all fronts. And that's where Saqqara comes in. So, Saqqara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Definitely go to their website and check out the menu in your area for this week. So for me, this week, they have these carrot, raisin, and walnut muffins that are so good. They have their burrito bowl with turmeric corn salsa, also amazing. Mediterranean chopped salad, morning fig bars, coconut praline granola, which is one of my favorite things ever, eggplant florentine. They have strawberry maca shortcake, cacao mole enchiladas, so much goodness. So like I said, go check it out. And the other thing about Sakara that's really great is that you can create your own program. So you can just do a week at a time. You can do weekly. You can do two days, three days, five days, Whatever you need. And there are so many other great products that you can add on as well. They have functional plant-rich products and wellness essentials to help you create a body that you feel strong and vibrant in. So right now, Sakara is offering my listeners 20% off your first order if you go to Sakara.com slash blondefiles 20 or enter the code BLONDEFILES20 at checkout. That's S-A-K-A-R-A dot slash BLONDEFILES20 to get 20% off your first order. Again, sakara.com slash BLONDEFILES20. There's a couple other trends that I wanted to ask you about that are maybe not necessarily under like the the chiropractic umbrella, but there are things that I've seen you talk about. And there was one that I actually posted about that you responded (laughs) to. You know which one I'm talking about? Legs Uh up on the wall.
1: Uh, Is that legs up on the wall? What was that for though?
0: So legs up on the wall. And I actually got a lot of pushback from this. So I did it. I was in a sauna. And I've had people who have said, Oh, put your legs up on your wall. Like it'll help circulation. It will help bloating. It helps your nervous system, various things. And you were like, it doesn't do anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, I remember. Um, yeah, no, I I just, like, I think people, you know, like a lot of these physiologic processes, like a lot of them are really, really simple and they can be achieved in like a wide variety of, of ways. Like like, so like increase in circulation, like I can increase the circulation to my bicep just by going like this 10 times, you know, because I'm moving in blood goes to the areas that you're, you know, given some action to. So a lot of them, when people understand just kind of like the underlying mechanisms for the things like that, it's, it's just usually not that exciting. Like what a good example that you see in some videos is like big changes in like range of motion, like with after backcracking videos, they'll be like, oh, I can go so much farther um, but what people don't understand is with your nervous system, anything can change range of motion. Literally anything. I might even be able to change your range of motion like through the computer screen. That's how easily tricked our nervous system is. And, and what I mean is people usually think about range of motion like it's all about tight muscles and, and restricted and tight joints. And they think it's all purely structural. But a lot of it, how far you can go into any range has a lot to do with um, stretch tolerance, the feeling of stretch, which is a nervous system thing and stretch tolerance changes. The more you expose yourself to whatever range of motion you're pushing into. So like, if I'm stretching my shoulder this way, the more I do it, the greater my tolerance is for my shoulder going that way. It just gets used to it. It's like putting your toe into a hot tub and just easing your way in gradually. That's kind of the same thing that happens with this range of motion stuff. So when you watch people do that, um, you know, let's say, somebody turning their head one direction when they couldn't go very far before I have them go this way and try to poke into it a couple of times and they don't go very far. And I have them do like two, three reps, whatever. And then I could, you know, play the bongos on their head and freaking blow on their forehead or whatever, or do something stupid, snap my fingers, and then have them try it again. And because they just got three reps of pushing into it before that, and they're also now expecting, cause I played it up a little bit that they'll go further They'll probably push a little bit further and feel like they can go farther. So mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of those things are really easily manipulated, and it's usually not anything too exciting or crazy when you mm-hmm. look a little closer at it.
0: I mean, it's like when you stretch before you work out versus when you stretch after, right?
1: Sure. Kind yeah. Of? I mean, like that's that's a good one too. So like the stretching, like warm up before and after workouts. Like I always tell people, like you really don't need to do any stretching before a workout or before lifting weights. Cause like, what is the whole point of, of a up? If I want somebody to warm up before doing a session of squats, I'll just tell them do five air squats, do five squats with the bar on your back, put a little bit of weight on and then go. So all you have to Mm -hmm. do to warm up to do something is just do the fit, do the thing really low intensity and then build. Um, But like laying around on a foam roller or like doing a whole bunch of random hip stretches, which I always hate. Like the videos of the, big, long mobility routines, because we have such a big problem with people meeting physical activity guidelines in in this Mm -hmm. country because time constraints and jobs and things. We're not helping people when we tell them that you need to add a 20 minute stupid fucking mobility routine to your workout. And they're like, well, how am I supposed to get everything done? I got a 60 minute workout and I got a 30 minute mobility routine. I got a cool down after and I got to drive to and from. It's like. We're really overcomplicating this for people, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that we make them think their bodies need to go through in order to be able to be safe and do the things they want to do, a lot of it's just really not necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. I saw you had a great video on exercise. I think it was something like the rule of twos. Do you remember that?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too much too soon after too little for too long. That being one of the bigger factors in injury. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, like no peaks and valleys, right?
1: That, I mean, and like, that's another one where it's like, everybody's like, oh, technique and proper form and all this stuff with weightlifting and people obsess, they obsess over like, keep my Mm -hmm. back straight. And like all these rules, don't let your, don't have a butt wink when you squat and don't go knees over toes. Don't let your knees cave in. Don't let your feet go flat. Like there's all these arbitrary rules that are, are based on nothing. There's no evidence that any of them are predictive of injury or that uh, any of them are higher risk than, than anything that is proposed as safer and when you look at what does seem to be more strongly correlated with injuries, it is that whole, like the idea of people just doing too much too soon after too little for too long, or you can even take out the second part and just say too much too soon, lack of preparedness, the peaks and valleys I like talking about a lot because people fall into the cycle with pain and injury stuff where like they get pain, they get a flare up and people always equate pain with damage, which it's not a sign of. And um. So they'll they'll avoid activity and they'll take a long rest period, and that kind of can create that valley. And then they'll reinsert themselves into activity without easing back in, and just assume that it can get started again. That can kind of create the peak, and that's another mm-hmm. kind of thing we see with like with re-injury stuff. I mean, it's crazy because it's a lot simpler, but it's also a lot more pragmatic and useful than a lot of the like movement rules that are placed on people about. You, there's only one right, safe, correct way to do it. And if you're doing it wrong, you're, you're going to hurt yourself. It's, it can be a lot more simple for people, but I, we do a good job of making it overly complicated. Well, simple isn't sexy. No, it's not. And that's, <laughs> that's why I'll never find my girlfriend making uh, TikTok videos because I talk about all the boring shit and then yell at everybody. <laughs> Meanwhile, I everybody else is out here treat. cracking backs with their shirt off and they got the chicks on the table and they're doing the fun treatments and making the big claims. And I'm over here with my dorky research papers behind me <laughs> saying, no, that doesn't work either. Uh, it's not fair. It's not fair.
0: <laughs> Can you talk about how you said pain doesn't mean that there's damage? Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, that's that's like one of the biggest guiding principles that we need people to know a lot more about. Um, because people do tend to still, on a societal level, equate pain with with tissue damage. But we've known for a really long time, um, just in in musculoskeletal pain research, that that's that's not true. And there's a million examples of this. I mean, you know, some of the easiest ones, like you hear about disc bulges, disc herniations, you know, joint degeneration, things like that. And when you scan people and you look and see who has them and who doesn't it's not that strongly associated with back pain. People always think like, if you've got a disc bulge, if you've got a disc herniation, your back's going to be in agony. But we see those things in people who are entirely pain-free as well. And then even like pathology at other areas too, different joints, we look at rotator cuff tears, labral tears, ACL tears, meniscus tears, ligament tears and ankles, things like that. Like you see these things in people who are pain-free and are completely unaware that they even have them and they don't even influence their function or anything or their strength. And all that is to say is like pain is a lot more complicated than just tissue damage. You know, at most, it can be a small contributing factor, but it can never be like the whole thing unless there's like a traumatic tissue injury, like you got shot. Like, yes, then pain is strongly correlated with tissue damage. But even then it's not because you still hear about those stories of like people getting shot, but not knowing it until they got to safety and like a, in like a war or something like that. And, you know, you see even much more benign and simpler instances. Like how many times have you ever noticed a bruise and been like, where did that come from? A bruise is tissue damage. And if pain was always strongly correlated with damaged tissues, you should feel all those and know when you get them. Like you think about headaches, like nobody says that when you have a headache that you have a damaged skull or a damaged brain. Um, people who understand that one, that's more about sensitivity and it's more about a broad spectrum of contributing factors. And we should probably be looking at all pain more like how we look at, how we look at headaches. Sometimes I'll explain back pain that way. Um, that's more helpful to think about it like a headache in your back because it's probably not a damage type thing. And it probably has a lot more to do with many broader contributing factors. So, yeah, I mean, even, even just like a heart attack your heart's literally dying and the damage is at your heart specifically, but where do people feel symptoms goes up into their neck, goes down their left arm. I don't have damage in those areas, but that's where pain is. There's a, there's so many mismatches that you can kind of go over.
0: It's interesting. I feel like again, like just kind of in the wellness world, especially like people just want to find things to fix too. Like, and I, and I feel like if you're always looking for something to fix, like you're always going to feel like something is wrong with you. And I feel like we're kind of made to feel like we're like, there's something wrong with us, obviously, because that's how the, the industry profits.
1: Yeah. Well, you look at, I mean, look at a visit. Like well, I think the saddest thing that I ever see, I don't do this anymore, but I used to do this when I was even more angry and spiteful. <laughs> I would go on like chiropractic and physical therapy websites and you look at their reviews from patients and it would like literally like break my heart and kill me inside a little bit. I would read, Patients saying, wow, I never would have known how much is so wrong with me. I'm so thankful that I got in there so they could show me. And I'm like, oh my God, we literally have people thanking us for making them feel like their body is just trash. And then when you look at a lot of the things that we're labeling on these people and saying is dysfunctional or damaged or messed up or bad or wrong, a lot of it's just normal shit that's not strongly correlated with pain. And it's in a lot of pain-free people too. And it can't explain a pain situation, but we'll still not read enough research and give those explanations. And literally like people will come in with one problem and leave with 10 and we make people feel more broken. And that's a huge problem for, again, my patient demographic being persistent pain. Like you see the, one of the biggest drivers of a pain experience and things that make pain burdensome. It's not really the pain itself. Like, yeah, pain sucks, but everybody's got some degree of pain day to day. There's more to it that makes a pain experience truly like happy for people. And a lot of that has to do with the things it takes away from you. And like the way it changes the way you see yourself, that's what drives the burden a lot of the time. Because in those people dealing with persistent pain, like they're so convinced that their back is trash or whatever, that they stop doing a lot of the things that they love to do. And mm-hmm. what's really shitty about a lot of those avoidance situations and people becoming very overprotective in those instances is it can be avoided if people are just given better advice and given better guidance and better information up front and not told all these things about how their disc is ready to slip out of their back and how they should never bend over or deadlift again and always keep your back straight, always sit up straight, protect, protect, protect. hmm I mean, we, we have whole papers that are written and published about how some percentage of this chronic back pain problem that we have across the globe is, is partially iatrogenic, meaning clinician caused. Like we cause it with the bad advice and the bad explanations that we give to people. We cause disability that way. So it's pretty shitty. It's really bad. Yeah
0: this is another thing that I've talked to you about, but can you speak to like tech neck and tech back? How much are we attributing back issues, neck issues, posture issues to technology and how accurate or not is that?
1: Uh, people who follow me and like my stuff, <laughs> love to, uh, like fuck with me and tag me in every tech neck <laughs> and posture video ever. Cause they know how much I hate that bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's just so insane to me. Cause one, like now at this point, You know, first of all, like the idea in and of itself is silly for a lot of reasons. And I'll touch on that, but we have enough publications now where like, it's very, very clear tech neck and text neck is not a thing. Cell phone Mm -hmm. usage, forward head posture, you know, having your chin out a little bit and looking down a lot and using your phone a lot. They're not correlated with neck pain. They're not predictive neck pain. I can't look at somebody who's looking down at their phone a whole hell of a lot all day, every day and say, they're going to get neck pain because I, it doesn't have that predictive value. It's not a risk. For, for developing neck pain I'm symptoms. I'm worried about wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't speak to that because that's out of my expertise, <laughs> but it's just like, it's so insane to me because like, okay, if neck was a problem, like it's not like, I know cell phones are new, but it's not like this is the first thing that humans have ever looked down at for a long period of time. <laughs> like where was newspaper neck and where was, you know, sit in a cave and stare at a fire neck and like all the, like it's just, so yeah. fucking stupid how we're willing to convince people that they're trashing their spines by using their phone. Like, how are you supposed to live? You People live on their cell phones. And then the advice, that's what, that's what kills me. The advice mm-hmm. we give. Like, not only are you going to be just outright wrong and tell them they have tech snack, which is already just stupid, but then you're going to give them this horribly yeah. useless advice where you tell them to hold their phone up to their face when yeah. they use it. You really expect people to waddle? like they're going to waddle into traffic. They look like they're walking around filming people and taking photos like you when people do that, you're making them look like an alien like playing a human or something like that. Like it's like he's trying to play. it's just so it's so ridiculous to me. Like not only is the information bad, but then the advice for the bad information is just also shit. It's just so it's ridiculous.
0: Just an argument for having like a chip implanted so that we can just see it instead of having to look down at our phone.
1: I, I, I'm, I guess, I mean, if you get as you can tell, anything that gets rid of tech neck or tech neck or all those posture myths at this point, I'm, I'm for it. Like the posture thing, I work with people every single day who they've been they've had a persistent back pain for t- so long, and everybody they've talked to has told them that their posture is part of it because they don't sit up straight and they've literally like made such a habit out of forcing themselves into this naturally uncomfortable position that aggravates their symptoms, but they won't even recognize that it aggravates their symptoms and they'll persist through it because they've had that message reinforced a billion times that it's supposed to help them. And that if they don't do it, it'll only get worse. And like, I literally like, I spend so much of my time, helping people unlearn that stuff and try to break those habits. And like, it's shockingly hard to, if you've had somebody who's enforcing themselves with their painful, sensitive back to sit up straight, keep their core tight. Like some people like forget how to not do that. It becomes so ingrained and they're so fearful of aggravating or worsening their symptoms. It's like, it's crazy that we make people move like these like robots almost you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 just ridiculous. But um, no, I I tell people slouch all the fucking time. You you can do it. You're capable of it. So it's not like you weren't meant to. Uh, it's more comfortable. So it's okay to slouch. I've slouched this entire interview. I'm sure you have too, as you <laughs> should. too.
0: I'm like hunched over, as you know. I'm sitting on a Perfect. floor right now.
1: <laughs> as you should be. That's what humans do. It's normal.
0: This is what we did when we were crouched over the fire. You're right. I like that. It's normal. what are some other very egregious kind of wellnessy claims that you've seen that people should be wary of?
1: Um, There are so many big ones that aren't like super egregious because that I have more than enough to focus on that. Like if you watch my posts, like I don't really talk about like the really crazy ones that often because there's just so many like, there's so many big myths that don't even seem that crazy to people that deserve so much more attention. But I mean, there's still stuff about like how us treating babies and how like being born is traumatic. So you need a chiropractor to crack your back and like maintenance care with spinal manipulation and how like you need to go in, you know, regularly as like, we love chiropractors. We were taught this in school too, in like business courses that we're supposed to try and present ourselves to patients like, um, like dentists do and say like, well, you see your, uh, dentist, you know once or twice a year for your, your oral hygiene. So you need to see your chiropractor once or twice a year for your spine hygiene, as if Mm -hmm. like cracking your back, like cleans your fucking spine or something (laughs) like that. I don't, it's, it's I mean, there's so many of them. You could go in any direction. And that's what I said to Danielle too. I was like the amount you could do a whole two hour episode just in musculoskeletal myths alone, whether it's, impingements or disc bulges or, uh, posture or, you know, even just for like the running community, like different running myths about gait and how people are supposed to move. Like everywhere you look within musculoskeletal healthcare, it's just such a huge, huge mess. That's a, I guess, fortunately for me, I'd never run out of content to make, but God, it sure gets depressing some days when you're like, everything's (laughs) wrong all the time. It's it's tough. (laughs) I think it's tough for
0: everybody. I think it's tough for the patient. Like I'm thinking of just in my experience, something that was so hard for me, which I've talked about on Instagram. I developed really bad tinnitus a couple of years ago. And I think it was post-viral. It was really the only thing that we could like attribute it to. I had a bad virus and then I flew and they thought maybe it went to my ear. I don't know. The only thing that I have found to help has been acupuncture. And I'm, but I'm very aware. I'm like, I, I think it's like the acupuncture is relaxing and there are so many studies around tinnitus that, you know, they really don't have any kind of cure or treatment. However, it seems to be exacerbated by stress. And so obviously like to counter that stress, do things that are relaxing. And and that seems to kind of alleviate people's symptoms but I was desperate. Um, like I would, I was willing to do anything. And when I found the acupuncture, I was like, yeah, this, this seems to actually work for me. So I think I can understand how somebody would be in the headspace where they're like in so much pain or uncomfortable or whatever. And they feel like we were talking about in the beginning, whether it's a placebo effect or what they feel like it's actually helping them.
1: I mean, there's a way to do that though. There's a way to do that for people and still offer services like that for people for those problems that don't seem to have anything else helpful. Like there's an honest way to do it. That's, that's, that's where I would like, you know, because people would probably look at a lot of my content and be like, content and be like, he'd never be okay with some, with something like that. But like I've, I've done posts before where, um, you know, for chronic migraine, like that's a tricky one to find help for. A lot of people are pretty much just told right away. Like we don't know what to do about this. Um, and they can't find anything useful and they try and try and try. And like I've I've had conversations with people who swear by spinal manipulation, specifically neck cracking um, mm-hmm. for their migraine. And I'm somebody who has advocated that we not do net cracking as a profession at all anymore because the risk not being justified by the minimal benefit. And yet you'll hear me say that, but I'll still say for like somebody with chronic migraine there's, it's so hard to find something that's useful. And if the neck cracking is the one thing that you found that helps you, you should absolutely fucking do it. But mm-hmm. I just, in those situations, then I just hope that the provider is being responsible and not telling the patient that it's helpful because their neck's misaligned or because um, their joints are restricted or, or anything ridiculous like that. Like if you can provide that relief for them and also just be open and honest about it. I mean, I tell providers all the time too, when I do like teaching stuff with students, like it's okay to tell patients that we don't know what's driving an effect too. patients appreciate Mm -hmm. that transparency. Um, There's times when we have to tell patients that we don't know exactly what the problem is, but we can tell them what it's not to like, at least reassure them. There's times when we can, you know, say like, I don't know, If this will help or not, it doesn't have any studies to say that it's effective, but it's relatively safe if you'd like to try it. Like that's an okay way to communicate that without making somebody think that their neck is misaligned and that's why they have chronic migraine. So that's the only thing that I would say there. Like if we just clean up the communication, I wouldn't have so much stuff to yell about all the time. But.
0: Well, your yelling is very entertaining. You have amazing videos on TikTok and Instagram. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? And then also if they want to work with you, if you're taking remote, where everyone can find that information too.
1: Sure. So uh, it's just Aaron underscore Kubal on all the social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, sometimes there's a DC at the end as in doctor chiropractic. Sometimes there's not. Uh, But it's always Aaron Kubal. So if you look that up, you'll find me. And then I'm horrible with DMs. I kind of gave up on those for the most part. So if somebody really needs to reach me, as far as like questions or patient stuff, if they want to uh, work with me or whatever, just my email, DC at gmail.com is good. And then uh, my website for my clinic, it's linked in all my social media bios. So if you go there and you want to look into what I actually do with patients or booking and all that fun stuff. You can go check that out. But yeah, I think that's all of it. That's all I do.
0: We can link everything. So it's easy. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was a good one.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it and if you like the show in general, Please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there, or over on my personal page at Area Lori.